Okay, so we're going to get started and we'll be... Uh, there's, there's two sides of the page for the handout. And we're on the side where there's letter Gimel. Letter Gimel at the top of the page. So the, the Pasuk in the Torah is that Elipukude HaMishkan Mishkan O'edus. These are the countings of the Mishkan. Uh, and then it says again, Mishkan Ho'edus. So the thing which is a little unusual that the Midrash wants to focus on is that the word Mishkan is written twice. It could have just said, Ele Pekude Mishkan Ho'edus. But instead it says, Ele Pekude Mishkan, Mishkan Ho'edus. So the word is written twice. And what they're doing here is they're, they're counting the, all the gold and the silver and the various precious items that were brought in order to make the Mishkan. So we'll start there. Mahu Mishkan Shnei Pa'amim. Why does indeed the Torah say the word Mishkan twice? Amar Bishmuel Bar Marta. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Marta says, Shenismash Kain Shnei Pa'amim Al Yedehem. That the Mishkan, really meaning the Beis Hamikdash, this photocopy is on the back there. That the Beis Hamishkan, Beis Hamikdash, was taken as collateral two times by our, en- our enemies. So in other words, instead of us, God forbid, being destroyed, uh, we had the Mishkan, the Beis Hamikdash, that was the Mashkon. And that's the connection, Mishkan, Mashkon. The word Mashkon means collateral. Zehu Anshe Kinesis Hagadola Omrim. As the Anshe Kinesis Hagadola said in Nehemiah, now the pshat is, this is a tefillah from Nehemiah, and he says to Hashem, we have done damage to you. We didn't guard your mitzvot and your laws. But the drush is, is that we have given this as a mashkon. The word chavol can also mean a mashkon, a collateral. As it says, Mahu Chavol Chavanulach, what does that mean? Hevesheniz Mashkein Beis Pa'amim. That the Mishkan, the Beis Hamikdash, was taken two times, destroyed twice, as collateral. Instead of us, it was the building. Vein Chavol Ella Mashkon. There's a connection directly. The word Chavol is a Lushan of Mashkon, which means a collateral. Where do you see that? The word chavol means collateral. It's a pasuk in the Torah. Lo yachbo rechayim varachav. Don't take as a collateral, you know, a mill, a grinding thing that someone might need to make their own food. So they owe you money from a loan and you have collateral from them, but it's something that they really need in order to make food. So don't take that. Don't take that as your mashkom. That's why the Torah writes, these are the countings of the Mishkan, the Mishkan O'edus, and it says the word Mishkan two times. So the main point of the Midrash here is that we have the word Mishkan written twice, Ela Pukude Mishkan, Mishkan O'edus, and the word Mishkan is related to the word Mashkon, 
Mashkal means collateral. And how was the Mishkan a collateral? Because it was taken instead of us by Hashem during both the Churban Bayis Rishon and the Churban Bayis Sheni. That's the thrust of the Midrash. Now let's take a look at a few of the Mephorshim here. I tried to check them out so it'd be a little easier to find. If you go to the top right column where it says H. Yosef and a second line down from the top it says Shenis Mashkain. Right there. Right toward the very top of the page. Shenis Mashkain. The Mishkan was taken as collateral. So the Eighth Yosef says, Hold on a second. Even though the Mishkan itself, which is what Moshe Rabbeinu made himself, that was never destroyed. Remember, the Mishkan wasn't destroyed. The Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. But not the Mishkan, that was hidden away and it was never destroyed because Moshe Rabbeinu made it so it was not vulnerable to destruction. So why is it saying the Mishkan was taken twice as collateral? It wasn't. So he answers, Because the Mishkan is similar to the base Mikdash which were destroyed. Now we all know that. that this is un- the truth is the words are often interchanged. Mishkan and Mikdash. So even though specifically it's talking about the Mishkan, but it has a broader meaning here. Mishkan or Edus means the Beis HaMikdash. Heveleki'ilu HaMishkan Nis Mashkain. It's therefore as if the Mishkan was taken as collateral, even though we're talking about the Bayez Rishon and the Bayashani, but those are all related. They're all similar in their form, in their purpose, which is the presence of the Shekhinah amongst us and our Avodah Hashem. Now the next one, here's a curious thing. The Pasuk which is quoted here is the Pasuk quoted from Nehemiah. And that's where the Pasuk says, that we have given this to you two times as a mashkon, as a collateral referring to the Beis HaMikdash. But when Nehemiah wrote this Pasuk, that was the very beginning of the Bayashani. It was not yet destroyed, it was standing. He's the one of the people who built it, along with Ezra. So why does the Pasuk, which is Chavo Chavanu, referring to the Mishkan, or the, rather the Beis HaMikdash, being taken as collateral, why would it be mentioned by Nehemiah while the Bayashani is standing up? So he says this in the Eitz Yosef. Even though we're still in the time of the Anshe Knesset Hagadol, of which Nehemiah was a member, and the Bayesheni was built and standing, so it had not yet been taken as collateral. Why are they saying that, that it was? How could Nehemiah be talking about the Churban Bayashani when he built it and it's standing. Because the Anche Knesses Hagadola and Nechemya, who was amongst them, they knew the Bayashani was going to be destroyed. They were Naveen, Nechemya was Navi, Ezra, Mordechai. 
Chagai Zechari Malachi, there many, many members of the Anche Knesset Hagadola were Nevin. So even though they were standing right there with the Bayashani, they already referred to it in this Pasuk, at least Al Pedrasha, that it was going to be destroyed and taken as collateral because they knew it. They knew it wasn't going to last. The Bayashani was lacking five things that the Bayas Rishon had that all represented a more intense presence of the Shekhinah. The word I will be honored there is missing a hey. And that means five things that the Bayashani was lacking. And therefore they knew that this bias was not going to ultimately stand. So it's interesting, you think about it, they built the Bayashani and they put everything they had into it and eventually it became a very grand based on Mikdash. But they knew from the very start this was not going to last. And in a certain way, I think that that rep- really represents everything that we do because nothing really lasts until Mashiach comes when it will last. Nothing is really permanent except for the Torah and mitzvahs that we do. But no physical structure, even a, a holy one, there's no guarantee it will last. And look at all of our shuls and yeshivas and holy places in the, in the many countries that we've been in over history for thousands of years. They're not around anymore. So it, it's almost understood that until the Bayesh Shlishi is built, which is permanent and eternal, we have a temporary relationship to buildings, even holy buildings. Now, we also have to remember at the same time, on the more positive side, that every shul, every base midrash goes to Eretz Yisrael at the time of Mashiach. So it will last, it will be there in some way, it's going to come back. But until that time, this is our relationship you know, to, to the world. You think about you know, Rahman Litzlan, uh, the Jews who were in Ger- Germany in Kristallnacht, and they saw overnight all of their shoals burnt and destroyed and what, uh, how horrible, depressing, violent that was. And they were no more. Over, overnight they were no more. So already with the Bayashani, Nehemiah understands that this house, this Beis HaMikdash, is not going to last. And he's already referring to it as a mashkon, as collateral in place of the Jewish people for when that time comes. just want to make one more point that I'll get to you. Now, if you move over to the left side of the page, which is a commentary of the Maharzu, and you go halfway down that left column, there's also a check there. And the check there says, Sha'an Knesses Hagadola Omrim. You got it there? It's about right there where my finger is. The bracket. Yeah, right next to the bracket in the check mark, in the in this column there, where the bold print Shan Knesses Hagadola Omrim. So, the Marzu wants to point something out that why does it say the Anshe Knesses Hagadola said this tefillah, this prayer of Chavol Chavanula? Because the truth is that Nehemiah said it; he was only one of them. So it says, Pasuk Amro in his tefillah, he's the one who said this Pasuk. So why does it say that the entire Anshe Knesset Hagadola said it? Why does the Midrash 
say it like that. Why don't they say Nechemia said it? So he answers, Ella. Because it says toward the end of this tefillah that Nechemia is saying to Hashem, quote, And to the prayers of your servants who desire to fear your name and to be in awe of you, have Hashem. So who are the chaverim that Nechemia is referring to? Who are his chaverim? Heim ha-chaverim shal Nechemia. Hanikraim b'fi chazal anshei kineses ha His friends were the anshei kineses ha That's a nice group of friends, right? Yeah, good, good group, right? So he's, he says to Hashem, these are his tefillos, we didn't keep your mitzvot, the mishkan, based on midrash, will be taken as collateral, that's the rem is here. And listen please to the tefillos of all of your, of, of all of the chaverim, all of my friends who fear you, that's the Anche Knesset HaGadola. So Nehemiah himself is referring to his whole chevra, 120 great, great men of the Anche Knesset HaGadola, as his chaverim, and that's why the Midrash says the Anshei Knesses Hagadola said that prayer, even though Nehemia said it, it was an inclusive tefillah really by all of them, and he's including all of them in his words. Sorry, yeah, please. I had a question. Yeah. Why is the Ekavda missing a hay, a remez that is going to be destroyed? The fact that there were five things missing, maybe they would get the five things as they deserve them, like the way you dole out right. words to a child, right. you know, oh, now you get another Right. Tester. They you understood know. that was the Mitzvah, so the Bayashani. That, that it was a intrinsically uh-huh. temporary... Right, they weren't going to get back to the time, the, the way the Hashras Hashkina was at the Bayez Rishon, <laughs> which was also destroyed. Right. The Bayez Rishon had those five things, and it was still destroyed. But they knew that they weren't going to get back to that uh-huh. level, and the Bayez never did. So, of course, it's a base on Mikdash, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenally holy place, but it was not at the level of the Bayez Rishon. Yeah, please, this is France. It says, um, uh, is it Vinikdashti, Besoch Venesa? Is that what you're referring to? Are you thinking of actually the Ikavda? I thought it was a similar Okay. So I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe it is. You have to look that up there. It would be in Parshish uh, Shmini and see what, what word they use. Yeah, yeah Elka, please. Can you please um, tell us what were I don't remember, and I'm, I, w- I wanted to look them up. One of them was the Aish that came down, Minas Shemaim, wasn't present, present there. Uh, the, the, the Tzura of the fire, instead of being like a lion, was like a, a kelev, like a dog. Oh, wow. Showed a much less um, presence there. Right, did not come down. There was no Aish that was Yor Minas Shemaim in the Bayashani. There was a fire on the Mizbeah. Okay. I don't remember the other three things. Was it the Aron? Wasn't the Aron missing? Yeah, the Aron was not the same because they had hit it. That's three. I don't remember the other two. If anybody remembers... Right, thank you. So the Urim Betumim did not have the Shem HaMafurish that was in there. We didn't have that anymore. That's four. Okay, we're getting there. There's one more. Anybody recall? I don't remember. Uh, that they weren't there because of the meat. I don't 
I don't think that one is mentioned. I'm not positive. Okay, so we have a little homework to do. Right, so that's the end of that first midrash. And again, that's Hashem takes the base on Mikdash instead of the people. There's, there's Rachamim there that we're still around, even though the building is not. But of course, the Kosal HaMaravi is there, never is destroyed. And there's Rath Hashem, we'll see uh, the building of the base on Mikdash from here via Okay, so now on to letter Dalit. So now we're going to concentrate on the word edus, because it says mishkan edus. It's the mishkan of testimony. And the question is, testimony to what? What is the mishkan testifying about? Mahu ha'edus. That's the Midrash's question. What's edus? Amar Rabbi Shimon, Bar Rabbi Yishmo, Rabbi Shomar Rabbi Shmo said, edus hu l'chol ba'i olam sheyesh slicha li'isroah. It is a testimony to all of the people in the world that Hashem forgave the Jewish people. Because there was a Chet Ho'egel, and the Chet Ho'egel was a very big Yerida for Klai Yisrael. We went down enormously in our level, similar to Adam and Chava eating from the Eitz Hadas in Gan, in Gan Eden. That's what happened to Klai Yisrael as a whole, because we had gone back to the level of Adam and Chava, Kodem HaChet. We were at that level again. And with the Chedo Ego, we dropped down and became mortal people again. So this was a testimony that the Shekhinah was back with us. We now have a Mishkan. The Shekhinah was there. It resided there. That shows Hashem forgave the Jewish people. There's going to be a very big, as I see it, historical message that comes out of this as, as we go through the Midrash. Dover Acher. Another thought on what, is, what it is testimony to. Edus hu It's testimony to the whole world. That he was appointed by God, meaning Moshe. Moshe was appointed by Hashem to have this structure built. Now why is that a chiddush? Let's take a look at some of the commentary and see what's happening here in a little more depth. Now, if you go to the side, the right side of the page, I want to get to letter Dalid, where it says, Edus Hu. It's about 15, 20 lines down, Edus Hu, in the Eitz Yosef. V'hachi Perusha. This is the pshat. Hamishkan shel shechina sheyesh bo edus liyisrael. This is the mishkan of the shechina, the residence of the shechina, which testifies to the Jewish people sheyesh lehem slicha amasa ha'egel that we were forgiven over the chet ha'egel. Lafuke mehaakum shechashvu shein lehem slicha. Unlike the Gentile idol worshiping nations who said. You're not going to be forgiven for that sin. Kidala Kaman, as we'll see shortly. Second one, Shenismana Mipia Kodeshborhu, it also was testimony that Moshe was designated by Hashem to have this Mishkan building built, and the Shekhinah would rest there. And when the Shekhinah rests there, people say, Oh, yeah, he really was appointed by Hashem. Pirush, what does that mean? 
that Moshe was commanded by Hashem himself to make this Mishkan building. Because if it were not for that, that Hashem actually did bring his Shechina into the Mishkan. No one would believe that God himself commanded, build a house for me. Hashem is in a house? What are you talking about? The heavens are the throne of Hashem. What kind of house can you build for Hashem to reside in? You know, he takes up the whole universe. Oh, or, sim, or, or, going back to the first thought, from their hatred of the Jewish people, I'm sorry, they were saying, meaning the Ovedei Kochavim, that God despised the Jewish people when they sinned. He wouldn't dwell amongst them anymore. That's what they were saying about us. But when he commanded us, and now he's actually there, that shows on both counts everything is emistic. So the first one about the Chedo Egel, they're saying, Hashem doesn't care about you anymore, he rejected you, you did Chedo Egel. This is what the nations are saying about us. The Shechina rests there, we see Hashem has forgiven us. The second one is people would have a hard time believing that Hashem would confine His presence to a physical structure like a building. If you think about it, we're used to that. Right? We had a first base of Mikdash, a second base of Mikdash, we have shuls. You know, for a couple of thousand years we're used to that. But this was the first time ever that Hashem said, I'm going to reside in a building. That never happened before. And people didn't relate to Hashem in that way. So perhaps people were thinking, Moshe Rabbeinu, it must be you who is commanding us to make this structure because we just don't see that God would reside in a building. Once Hashem was Shora in the building, then people got it. Oh, Hashem actually does reside here. And the Ashras Hashchina was the lesson, was the testimony rather, for that as well. Okay, so before we go on, I saw maybe a hand or two was up. Yeah, Elka, please. People always knew word, go, word travels. <laughs> it took a little longer, <laughs> but word travels. You know, if word travels, like throughout history, and you, you see that the, the people knew about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, they knew about Kriya Siamsuf, they knew. They knew. No, there were people who were going back and forth, probably trading goods, and word got around. Right, I'm sure they didn't want to. <laughs> That's right. 
yeah, as you know, as the uh, UNESCO proclaims that there's no connection of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. I think I mentioned it, like, how can people show the world how ignorant they are? You're making a statement to the whole world that the Jewish people have no connection to the land. That means you never read a book in your life, you know. And it's just unbelievable how convinced and how entrenched they are in their thought that they would announce that to the whole world, brazenly. So yeah, Esther, uh, Elka, absolutely, they don't, they don't pass that down. Uh, they, they don't want to pass that down. They, they, want, they want Eretz Yisrael. The Chachamim say that all throughout history, every king wants his hand in Eretz Yisrael, wants a palace in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, please. They got all those materials from Mitzrayim, from the the loot that they took, and the from the yam, the sholo from the yam, and the gold and the silver that they took from Mitzrayim, which was owed to us anyway, for our many years of slavery there. Yeah, Dory, please. Right. Or, or imagine mm-hmm. him in different pieces of him, different places. So it isn't really a hard concept. It is. It is. Something to think about. And what we're what we're definitely not saying is that Hashem is dividing himself up and appearing a little bit here and a little bit there. Hashem is everywhere. But the idea that he can be more revealed in a certain place, more intensely revealed in a certain place, like in Eritisro, we know that idea, or a a man-made building. Like Kedusha's Eretz Yisrael, that's intrinsic. Hashem made it holy. But this is saying that a man-made building, made for the purposes of Kedusha, that God will reveal himself there, in this place where man-made. But you know, there is a little bit of a remez to it, because before you had that, you had the tent of Avraham and Sarah, and in their tents, the Shekhinah dwell, that's the Nerdaluk in Sari Menu's tent, we, we know there's a concept of Hashroas Hashkina from what happened in Sari Menu's tent, and those miraculous things. So it's not a foreign concept to us, and that's more centered around the home. And perhaps this is more of a Chiddush, that this is not a home. This is a, a public place of Avodas Hashem, and God's going to reveal himself here. And, and you need another step from there to the home, because the Shekhinah being present in the home, that we already knew. But this was a Chiddush. This is a new I- idea for us. Yeah, yeah please, Debbie. In a certain way, I know what you mean, yeah. That's what they believe, that, right? Yeah, there's all this connection. Right. You're better off <coughs> not having that connection because they they feel they're too involved with what we do, and then they they're understanding it the wrong way, and they can take someone who is you know not understanding Yiddishkeit really, who's who's born Jewish, and be convinced that oh yeah, there's a story. 
We know that story, they learn that story, but we go further with our story. So we don't want that. There's always that fear when it comes to people loving us too much. <laughs> we, there's always that fear. So we have to, I think, show seicha um, and discretion that, that there are certainly are Hasidic Ummah who do love the Jewish people and are trying to help them in, in a good way. I, I really think that there are people out there like that. And there are, there are those who have their, real, their own self-interest and their religious self-interest involved and we ha always have to have our eyes open for, for these things. Eilu ve'eilu. Yeah, please, Arthur. In the Mishkan, yeah. were any Goyim allowed to participate? Like in the Besamekdash, right? Wasn't there... they could go to a certain point. They were allowed to bring a Korban, but they could, could not go in. There was a, a, a barrier around it. Right, but like yeah. when the, the uh, Korbanas were brought for them. Yeah. Not, not that I know. We, we, would, we would assume that they didn't go in. I mean, that would, that would be the same assumption because the, the parallels are, are the same. Um, walking through the Midbar, I don't, I don't even think it was Shaykh that the Umos Ha'ulam who were around there were, would be coming to do that. I don't, I don't think it was relevant. I think it only became relevant once we were in Yerushalayim and we had a capital and we had the holy city and then and Shlomo Melech was at the top of the world. So many non-Jewish people are coming to Jerusalem because they were fascinated by Shlomo HaMelech, as the Novi says. So then that's when, that's when that started. But there was the boundary. You probably saw, anybody who's taken those trips and tours around the old city, uh, the archaeological finds, they found a little sign over there that non-Jewish people, only until here, like Ad Khan. And that's as far as they could go. It's an archaeological found that probably from the Bayashania, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay, let's go a little further. So we have these two ideas here that the Mishkan Ho'edus that Hashem forgave the Jewish people for Ched Ho'egel, and also that Moshe indeed was commanded by Hashem to make a public structure that, where Hashem would reveal his presence. And Hashem came down, and everybody understood. That's edus. That's the testimony that the Midrash is referring to. Now this mushal that we're going to learn goes back to the first pshat about the forgiveness of the Jewish people. Omar Rebbe Yitzhak. We're back in the Midrash, letter Dalit, about six lines into it. Mushal l'moha dama. What is this similar to? L'melech, a king. Shenatal isha v'chibava yoser midai that he had a wife and he loved her exceedingly. He became upset with her and he left her, his queen. So all the neighbors now start to chip in. He's not coming back to you. All the nice neighbors. He's never going to come back. He has abandoned you. After a period of time, the king sent her a message. And he said, Kabdi as palatin, straighten out the palace, straighten out the thing, clean it up. Shali, my palace, because he had left. Vahatsi'i es hamitos, and make, make the beds. That's an expression of intimacy. 
Shabiyom Poloni Ovo Etzlech, because I'm going to come back on such and such a day. I'm coming back to you. So get the palace ready, I'm going to be back. Kevan Shehigia Yom Poloni, though the day came, Bohamelech Etzlech, the king came back to his queen, the Nisrat Salah, and he was appeased. And he, and he felt good with her. The Nichnas Etzla Leplatin, and he went inside of his palace, and he ate, and he drank with her. So they got back together. But the neighbors still were skeptical. Okay, he had a nice dinner together with the king, right? But he's not really back. But once they started to smell nice fragrances, perfumes, which again are an expression of a more intimate relationship, they knew then that the king had fully come to peace with the queen and the relationship was secure. So just sitting down to eat in the palace, that really didn't do it, but when there was some kind of reyach besamim, some fragrant smell, something more refined that's coming from, from their togetherness, okay, then they understood. We'll see you in a moment what that represents. Kacha Kodesh Baruch so so too in the mashal, Hashem. He loves the Jewish people, Vehaviyam. Lifnei Harsinai, and he brought us to Harsinai. He gave us the Torah, and he called us royalty. You will be for me a nation of Kohanim. Then we sinned. So what did the non-Jewish neighbors say to us at the time of Chet Ho'egel? God doesn't want you. Doesn't want the Jews. A familiar refrain. Shenemar, as it says, That's from Eicha. The nations of the world said, Hashem's not going to continue to be with you. He doesn't care about you anymore. was mispalo for us. You can turn over the page there. Page there. Moshe was mispala for the Jewish people. Miyad solach lahem hakadosh baruch hu. God forgave us. Shenemar, as it says, vayomer Hashem esolachti kidvarecha. Hashem says, I have forgiven you according to your words. So Omar Moshe. So Moshe says, Okay, ribon haolam Hashem hareini mefuyas. I am at peace with this that you forgave the Jewish people. Shemachalta liYisroel. Ella, however, but let the nations of the world know this. They think that you're not going to get back together with your precious nation. Show the nations of the world that you don't hold anything in your heart against the Jewish people. said, on your life, Moshe, I will live, my Shechina will live amongst them. So the presence of the Shekhinah there, when God comes into the Beis HaMikdash, into the Mishkan, that's the intimate relationship between Hashem. When he just says, okay, salach varecha, that's like the king sitting down at a meal with the queen. Okay, nice, you know. 
And Moshe says, I'm convinced, but what about the Umos Olam? That takes a Hashra's Hashrina. And therefore, Shinamar Vasulin Mikdash, make a Mikdash for me and I will dwell amongst you. Umakirin Shemachalti Lahem. They too will then recognize that Hashem forgave us. Mishkan That's what it means. It's a Mishkan of testimony. Because that's clear. It's testimony to the Jewish people, about the Jewish people, rather, that Hashem has forgiven us. Just before a couple of questions, I wanted to point out a few things from here, from the Mephorshim. One is... Go back to the Eitz Yosef, the Eitz Yosef commentary on the, on the previous side of the page. And the last four lines there, I made a little check, the last four lines. Now this Pasuk, which they quote in the Midrash, Amru Vagoyim Lo Yosifu Lagur, the nations are saying God does not want to live with amongst the Jewish people. That's what the Umos Olam are, are, are saying. So the Joseph points out, chronologically, that happened much later in history. This, what we're talking about is Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Hashem and Chedo Ego. The Afalpi Dahai Kura B'churban Yushalayim Amru, even though the Pasuk that they quote here in the Midrash was much later in history when the, new, the nations of the world were saying this. So why are they quoting it, Lagabe the Chet Ho'ega, which is many, many centuries before? My Siraya, they still bring this Pasuk as a proof. It is the way of the Gentile nations to always say that God does not want the Jewish people anymore. This is what they always say. That's what the Christians say. The Jewish people sin. God threw them away. Now we're the chosen people. Everybody else is the chosen people. They, they will always come to this point that God threw out the Jews. When Hashem is angry with the Jewish people. So those are the neighbors that the Midrash is referring to here. The heckling neighbors. God doesn't want you. To, and He wants us. Now we're the ones and so, yes, the Pasuk happened much later in history, but the concept of them seizing on that moment where Hashem is upset with the Jewish people to see, see, He doesn't like you anymore, that's going to be forever. And it is. We, we live with that same mentality out there in the world. But we know that Hashem never forsakes the Jewish people. And there are times when our relationship is behester panim, and concealed, but never ever abandoned. That's not part of our uh, system of belief and our relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Uh, the times of exile and the times of darkness are always temporary, and the king returns to his palace. The Reyach HaBesamim, which was referring to here, between the king and queen, that fragrant smell when people really got it, the Mephorshim say, that's the Ketoros. That's the Ketoros in the Beis HaMikdash. Because that's not a typical Korban. The Ketoros is only burned out of love. Our animals have a Korban. It could be a Ched. It could be a Thank You. It could be a Shlamim. There are reasons for burning animals after the slaughter on the Mizbeach 
for bringing korbanos, but the Ketoris is all about a relationship of closeness of Hashem and the Jewish people. So therefore, it says, once they smelled the besamim, they knew God's back with the Jewish people. It's a remez to the Ketoris. Now I just wanted to read one more thing for you, and then I'll get to your questions. Now you see that, um, that box on, on the side of the page that I kind of penciled in? Uh, right side of the page, uh, the first page that we were learning, where it says, Bi'ur Maharif. It's about an inch down from the top of the page. Okay, so I'll just read it through quickly. Hamashal Hazechoser al Perush Harishon. This is the first comment, the first opinion in the, mish, in the, mish, in the Midrash. Shal Mishkano Edus. Edus Sheyesh Slicha Yisroel. That it is testimony to that Hashem forgave the Jewish people. Velo al Dover Acher This this mushal is not talking about the second opinion that they were wondering did Hashem really himself command this to Moshe. Okay, now Reach Besamim, the smell of something fragrant. Fragrant. Va nimshal mizeh. What's the nimshal? What's the metaphor here? Ulay nismach almashadorshu chachamenu zichanum livracha. Perhaps it is connected or supported by Imidra Shir Hashirim. Al Hamikra, there's a Pasuk that says, Mizos Ola Min Hamidbor. Who is arising out of the Midbor, out of the desert, referring to the Jewish people in the Midbor? Mukuteres Mor Ulavana, fragrant with myrrh and Lavona. I think is that frankincense, Lavona? Sha'al Yidei Oshon Hama'arocha. It was through the smoke of the Mizbeach. It's not quite yet what we're saying. Another simon that God came and rested his presence to us, that the smoke of the Mizbeach rose straight up. Right? The wind didn't blow it. And that was one of the Nisim that were present there. They could tell the Shechina was there. So if you're an onlooker and you, you know, have a good vantage point, you can look down on the Harabais. There are many places you can do that from around Yerushalayim. And you see, it's a windy day and the smoke's going straight up. You know something's happening there. So that's one, Edus. Avo, however, that was for the Umo Sa'ulam. Yisro'o ro'u hashchina al yidei yiridas esh min hashamayim. We saw the fire come down from heaven in the Beis HaMikdash. The Jews could see that. It's mashma to me that was not visible if he were not part of Kla Yisro'o. You could see that if you were a Jew. Va'yidei ner ha'ma'aravi, and also the western candle on the menorah, which never went out. Ukiyot seba, and other type of miracles that Dori mentioned a couple before. All those miracles that we understood that God was with us. Then it was another commentary that I mentioned earlier uh, verbally to you that it referred to the Ketoris itself. So those were all signs that Hashem was there, the Shekhinah was Shorah. Kenny had a couple of questions. Yeah, Dory, please. I always wondered why Yes. Yes, it does. Now, there's two things. One is that the Ketores has a koach to remove any dross, any, you might say, like, just like physically a bad smell. It has the ability just to purify the air like, like it does in the material world. So in case this, there's anything that any slight thing that needs to be cleared away after our Avodah in Shemona Esrei, the Ketoris clears it away. It's 
spiritually as well. And then, of course, the Yisod, which we mentioned here, is that that's a, a simon of Ava between Hashem and the Jewish people. And as, as you said, it's there in the davening, really at the, at, almost at the very end of our tefillahs. Yeah. yeah, please, sir. Um, it's interesting that when Hashem forgives the Yidin, he says, but I'm going to send my angel to leave you. He's not really going to come back the way he was. And Moshe has to kind of talk him in. He has to really lobby strongly and, and daven strongly. The Jewish lobbyists. Right. He didn't want that. He wanted Hashem's presence himself. Yeah. And it took time. It was a tremendous effort, really, on Moshe Rabbeinu's behalf to have Hashem fully restored with our people, which, which is, of course, what Hashem wanted Moshe to do, and that's, that's his man. And he, knew, he knows Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's gonna, he's going to put himself on the line for that, and, and he does. But yeah, it's gradual. It's a gradual thing. And it took 120 days, excuse me, 80 days, from the Shviras Haluchos. That's another 40 days and another 40 days Till Yom Kippur and the end of this whole process. So it wasn't just like, okay, you're forgiven. It, was, it, it took time. It took time. And Moshe Rabbeinu came down on Yom Kippur and there was full salifa and mechila. That, of course, it remains for Yom Kippur to our, to our very day. Just one other uh, more fine point I wanted to bring out. On, on the second page where it says, Vayomer Hashem And this is the third time this is happening this morning with Pesukim. This, that pasuk, on the back of the page, um, it is, uh, yeah, second line down from the top of the page. That pasuk is also not written by the Beis HaMikdash. That's by the Chet HaMaraglin. So we've got three psukim here that are not really in context. But that's okay. Because there's Nevuah and there's Ruach HaKodesh and it happened later, it doesn't really matter. Nechemia saw that the Beis HaMikdash was going to be a mashkon. It's okay. This Pasuk was written later about what the Umos Olam are saying about the Jews. That's okay because they always say that. Now here, Hashem says to Moshe, I forgave you according to your words about the Ched HaMaragim. That didn't happen yet. It's the Ched HaEgel that we're talking about. So the Mephorshim grapple with this. Take a look at the top of the page, at the Eitz Yosef there. The very top, Eitz Yosef, on the, on the back of the page, the second side. Shenemra v'yomra Hashem esolach dikid varecha. Kosha, this is hard. Dehai karab imaraglim kasiv. This postuk was written by the Maragli, not by Chedo Ego. Now the Maharzu, who's right next to the Eitz Yosef there on the page, his neighbor on the page, we don't have time to do the whole thing, but he says, yes, it was written by the Chen Maragli, but he brings a few Midrashim to say that Hashem said those same words after the Chedo Ego was forgiven. It's not written in the Torah. It's in the Torah Sheva Alpeh. So when, Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, forgive us, forgive us, please Hashem, forgive us, Hashem says, I will forgive you. That's Midrash. So indeed, those same words that were said later by the Miraglim, according to some of the Midrashim, they were also said after Cheno Egel too. So even though the quote, strictly speaking, is from there, but Hashem said the same words over here, according to the Maharzu. That's in that comment on the, 
on the, you see the Maharzu there on the left side, kind of a, a lengthy Maharzu from the top of the page, about 20 lines there. That's what he's talking about in that section there. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. And we have one more class next week with Rosh Hashem, and then off to Pesach. We're already off to Pesach, but we still have a little time to do other things. <laughs> have a wonderful week. Good to see you, Mir. How are you? Coming along? Okay, welcome back. Uh, the Shear is dedicated, uh, sponsored by Shandy Kelman of Shandy Cosmetics in memory of her mother, Freda Bas Yitzvok Dov. Thanks, Joe.